Lord, we just want to praise You and lift up Your name. Thank You for moving and stirring our brother. Thank You for allowing Nick to be able to see how we prayed for Austin, the Marine, so that his eyes can be opened to be encouraged to be sharing and being a prophet there in his little world there, uh, at his base. We praise you for that. And we ask that you would empower him and that you give him boldness and strength, Father, to live for you and to be an example to the brothers around. As it's difficult there, I know. Lord, you're away. We're away from our family. We're away from everyone we know. We can be whoever we want to be. And we can run from you if we desire, without anyone knowing. But I thank you that you're starting to work in him and stir in him and help him to lead a Bible study and to impact those guys around him. Help him to be a leader and an example for all to see. Anoint him as a prophet there in his city. That he'd be able to minister to thousands there in his group and impact thousands, Lord. Bless him. Put a hedge of protection around him. Don't let anything happen to our brother. And Lord, we pray for Liz. Uh, that you would give her comfort, Father, as her, as her dad is having heart problems, had to go to the hospital. We ask that you would intervene and that you would heal, Father. It's you alone who can heal. Who can heal? Not a doctor. It is you alone who can heal. And so we ask that you would move and that you would give Liz wisdom and that you would give her words to be able to speak to her Father to bring him rest. Thank you for being a God who hears us and cares for us. And I ask that you take care of them, please, Father. And Lord, I lift up B and his family. Lord, B's dad is passed over to the other side, and I don't know if he's with you or not. But Father, I, I just ask that you bring great rest to the family, and it would open all of their eyes regardless. Because a man has died, it, it causes our minds to understand that we're all going to die. And that we need to be ready when we die. And so I pray that you would use this as an opportunity to glorify yourself and these family. And that, Lord, these would come to know you as Lord and Savior. They would bow the knee. That B would lead his family to you. And that he would be a pillar, the stronghold in his family that cannot be moved. A tree planted deep. We need you to move in. The winds are blowing. We need you to move in and give him strength. Please, Father, hear this prayer. Blessed be. And I pray for Rose, God, that you would provide for her funds to get to Texas, Father. That you would supply all of her needs according to your riches and glory. You promised you would. And so we choose to believe that and we choose to trust you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to be in, yes, Psalm 100, if you have your Bibles tonight, Psalm 100. Wow. We are moving through these Psalms, huh? You know, we're still, uh, if you're not, I am, still reading the chapter a day, uh, Psalm 100. And, uh, gosh, these chapters are just powerful, bottom line. The Psalms, which I just discovered a, a few weeks ago, listening to someone teach through a psalm, is the most taught book in the history of preaching. The book of Psalms, yes. That more men preach and teach on the book of Psalms, or give topical studies and just, yeah, basically preach on it or preach through it, than any other book in the Bible. Why? Well, it's pretty 
I think, easy to understand and uh, very practical for your life. If you look at it, it's basically either, it, it kind of breaks it down maybe into like three to five things. It's like hard times, praising God through your hard times, giving praise and adoration unto God, thanksgiving as we'll look at tonight, dealing with sin and uh, you know things that you go through and then repenting of it and then turning to God, talking about the attributes of God. Uh, I mean... It's really pretty self-explanatory. It doesn't take much to really dig in deep here. Um, I wish I knew the Hebrew. I would read it to you and speak it. And, uh, geez. I've really thought about uh, really studying into it and really uh, digging into it even more so and learning the language. And I know it would benefit. The only thing I'm scared about is once I learn the Hebrew, uh, then I become just like every other Hebrew scholar who does what? who studied it for 20 years and argues with every other Hebrew scholar who thinks they know what it means. It just upsets me, man. It's like, come on, somebody's got to get it right. You know, some, some people have got to agree on this thing. Uh, they all have their own interpretations of the original language. Uh, but I know it would help. So uh, uh, maybe the Lord will open the door. But Psalm 100 tonight, just five verses. Five verses. Remember Psalm 93 last week? I think it was, what, six verses or something? Uh-huh. I still managed to get about 30 minutes out of it. But um, uh, Psalm 100, a psalm of what? Praise and thanksgiving, this psalm. One of the most well-known psalms as far as praise and thanksgiving. I think every worship leader has probably read this psalm one time or another, huh, Justin? Every worship leader has probably... Uh, said this or read this during a, a worship time, because it just, hey, you're going to see. And I'm sure this is David writing it. It doesn't really say who wrote it, but I'm pretty sure it was David. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, or all the earth. You'll see there in your margin if you have the King James. All the earth. Hey earth, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. What kind of noise? Joyful. Yeah, not a bummed out noise. What what does a bummed out noise sound like? I don't really know. Maybe like this. Ugh. Um... What does a uh, mediocre noise sound like? Uh, no, that's kind of bummed too. Uh, uh, that's almost joyful. <laughs> I don't really know what a joyful noise sounds like. Uh, I don't know if there's such thing as a joyful noise that you could put your finger on because, hey, it could sound like anything, but what God's looking at is the heart, isn't it? If someone doesn't know how to make a noise, they could still make a joyful noise in the Lord, couldn't they? I remember a guy who used to teach a Bible study in Orange County on Monday nights. His name was Greg, and they called him Scout for some reason. I don't know why. Scout, that was his name. But this guy was, he was an extremely smart guy, I could tell. Very intelligent, but would play dumb all the time. I don't know why. He would act like Homer Simpson all the time. Honestly. What's up, Brandon? Good to see you, brother. 
Yeah, you, you would act like Homer Simpson all the time. I, I don't know why. I guess it was just funny. And it was. But I noticed that he, he, was, he, was, just, he was just a smart guy. But maybe his social skills weren't all there. Maybe a little sheltered and wasn't able to develop completely. So he kind of felt uh, insecure at times. And I know he had the capacity to say and express himself unto the Lord in any way that he wanted to because he had a big vocabulary, because he was a smart guy. But the phrase that he used to say all the time, over and over, which is, bless my socks off, he would be sitting there and they would go around and they would say prayer requests and things that they needed. It was a smaller group, maybe like 20, 25, and I would just go out there on Monday nights just to bless and encourage. It was just a blast. It was their college study. And he used to always say this before he started his prayer. It's like, okay, hey, Scott, do you have any prayer requests? Yeah, uh, first, I love God. I love God. And then, uh, and then he would continue on with his prayer request. But he would say this all the time. During the sermon, all of a sudden, he'd just say it. I love God. They'd be like, I love God. I love that so much. Because a simple... It's almost like he knew what he was doing. As simple of a phrase that it is, it's the most profound statement that you could ever say. I love God. It is the first commandment. It is the number one command. And it's almost like, I don't know if I ever heard him sing, I don't know if I ever heard him make a sound, but that was his joyful noise. And man, he would say it very monotone, I love God, but it came out with such joy and radiance and power, and it almost brought me to tears many times when I would hear him say it, because I would just look and say, Father, as brilliant of a guy this guy is, he chooses to say this simple phrase to express his heart unto you. And it just blesses me, man. He could say all kinds of things, but he chooses to say this all the time, over and over. And I just wanted to just be like, yeah, I don't want to say profound stuff. I just want to say I love God. That's all I want to say. And I just want to mean it from the bottom of my heart. I want God to hear my heart. I want Him to hear my voice. I hope that you understand that God isn't impressed with a beautiful voice. He's impressed with a beautiful heart, isn't He? He's impressed, impressed with a heart that is turned towards Him. Wow, her voice is amazing. Clap, 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 clap. Where's her heart? Wow, He can really wail on the guitar and really, man, just make things sound really good. Doesn't matter. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. You've got to make a joyful noise. That's a command. Hey, you guys are leaders, believe it or not. Not me, Josh. No, you. What are you doing here at a Bible study on Tuesday nights, okay? I look at that as dedication. I see a group of people who are not just coming on Sunday mornings, but choose to say, you know what, I'm going to come on Tuesday nights. And as difficult maybe it is for some of you to get here, this is a different night. I know school's in and our attendance will drop and people won't be able to come. But the dedication is sweet. And I see a group of people who are dedicated and you are looked upon as leaders wherever that you are at. 
And you need to understand that you need to be a people that make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When the song goes out, when it's time to sing and praise God and worship, you better be making a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be loud. And it doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to be a joyful noise. Bugs me. I get on the guys all the time. My guys that I hang with, these leaders. It's like, brothers, we are called to set an example for all that are around. And I don't care if the worship sounds like trash. We are going to lift our hands. We are going to dance before the Lord. We are going to sing unto Him and make a joyful noise. Bottom line. There is no excuse for any one of us not to be making a joyful noise unto the Lord. It is a command. Well, things are going right in my life, and I'm in a bad mood. Really? Then that gives you even more reason to be making a joyful noise, my friend. That's when you get double blessed. When you choose to fight against this thing, me, I fight against myself, Josh Thompson. I watched a, uh, a powerful YouTube video today uh, by John Piper. And, uh, and it's just sweet. I love what a lot of these rappers are doing. They are taking... These Christian rappers are taking John Piper, who's an old white guy. <clears throat> he's kind of an intellectual kind of guy. He's a real sharp guy. And they're putting these, these beats and these rap beats, like breaking it down, club beats, you know, to his words. And it is power, okay? Because you're just like, you're, you're, you're caught in an instant by the rhythm and the beat, and you're just like, what is this all about? You know, this kind of sounds like it's of the world, and all of a sudden you just hear full blast Jesus, you know, and, and he starts talking about waging war, going to war, and I was like, what's this about? He's like, man, we need to go to war, we need to go to battle, he says the greatest enemy, which it was coming from my prayer earlier, the greatest enemy is not the enemy, not Lucifer, your greatest enemy is yourself, your greatest enemy is you, and he even said it himself, he said, my greatest enemy is John Piper. My greatest enemy is Josh Thompson. It is this flesh. It's what doesn't want to do what I want to do. I am my greatest enemy. I am fighting against myself all the time. This goes through my mind over and over as I watched as I was sitting on the subway in New York. And this lady, she's a pretty lady, she came and she sat down next to me here with her child in the stroller. And she's sitting down and I, her kid was throwing a fit. I could tell she was like feeling kind of embarrassed, like she didn't want me to say anything, and so I was just trying to act like I didn't see anything. I couldn't help it. The kid's like kicking his dream, and then she puts him in the seat next to me, and she tries to wipe his nose, and he starts kind of like kicking me, and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just like, no, it's okay. And I was literally debating back and forth in my mind whether or not I should grab the child. <laughs> and straight up tell him, hey, you listen to your mother. Because I guarantee he would have shut up just like that. He would have piped down. He would have been focused. My buddy Larry did it one time. You know Larry. He comes here. He really did. This kid was kicking and screaming in a grocery store. He said the Lord spoke to him and just needed to help this woman. And so he, he, this kid was kicking and screaming and the mother was just trying to be very patient, trying not to make a scene you know, in the grocery store and she wouldn't discipline him. And Larry walked up 
and he grabbed the kid by the shoulders like this, and he said, you stop yelling, you don't do that in a grocery store, and you listen to your mother. And the kid just went, <laughs> and just straightened up right there, and the mom looked at him, just like, how'd you do that? You see, even at a young age, a three-year-old sitting next to me, he does not want to do right. He loves doing wrong. He does wrong. That's what he does. And the mother has to do what? Train him and teach him to do right. You do not desire to do right. Don't tell me anyone in here desires to do right. They will you. Sure, there is something new that has been born in you. Your spirit has been changed, regenerated. But your flesh does not want to do right. You constantly war with it daily. And I remember, I'm reminded of the child who kicks and screams and throws a tantrum. That's who I am. And many times when worship is ascending and it's time to make a joyful noise, I throw a little tantrum. And I don't want to worship God and I don't want to spend time with Him. But guess what? We are commanded to. And especially you as leaders, you as devout Christians, you as disciples of Jesus Christ, of all people, need to be praising God when you don't feel like it. What? Yes. I've noticed as soon as I figure out and recognize within myself that I don't want to, that I have to tell myself, "What? hello, this is the time, this is what you always talk about, look at you. The flesh is dominating you. It's got you under control. And I'm just like, uh-uh. I tell the guys to worship, I will worship the Father. And I will lift up His name and make a joyful noise. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes I have to sit there and correct my heart, start talking to Father about it. What is it holding me back? I have to repent of some sin. I have to get them get some things in check. Because believe it or not, you can't dance before the Lord and you can't lift your hands and you can't shout to Him and sing a joyful noise when things are a little off. You know. And so that's what it takes. And I've really tried to devote myself to any time, doesn't matter who is leading the worship, I am going to lift up my king and praise his name no matter what place that I am in in my life. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth, all ye lands. That is the commandment to us, family. Serve the Lord with gladness. Uh-oh. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord, Mark, with gladness. We do not serve the Lord with sadness. We serve the Lord with gladness. And this is one of the biggest things... It's a big issue that I have at the church. Especially being in some kind of position which for some reason God has allowed it where I shepherd over and I encourage and instruct and lead over ministries. But the truth is I really don't know why God's put me there. I just I see it as just an opportunity and a blessing. And I truly just try to serve God where I'm at. And for some reason, I don't know, I just take stuff very, very serious. Like on the pulpit, you better not give stale manna to the people. Or I'm going to be ticked. I mean, I want to go yell at the preacher sometime. It's like, dude, 
As much as everybody tries to like go, oh, that was a great message. Yeah, it's like, was that good? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, it was good. It was good. Was, really, like, was it good? Well, I mean, it was good. You know, I kind of, I liked it. Actually, that was trash. He didn't study at all. You can tell he doesn't know his text. He did not spend time in the Word. He did not meditate on it. Now, there's a difference between being nervous and a little shaky and trying to present something. And you know what you're talking about. You're just trying to say it. And you're just not delivering right. But then there's people who just go up there and you can just tell it's just like, man, they did not. They're, they're, there's nothing to give to the people. It's stale manna. I just want to go up there and just be like, dude, don't you ever come on the pulpit again and do that. And don't step on the pulpit anymore until you come to the Father with a glad heart. You seem like you went up there in obligation. And it's one of the saddest things in the world when a pastor is in such a rhythm that he does not even give a rip about standing on the pulpit. He just does it week after week after week after week after week after week after week. And the people come out of obligation. You've seen it in churches. I've seen it. I've been there. And I keep wondering when that really good message is going to come. And for some reason it only comes when good spe- when, when guest speakers come or something. There's a couple churches I used to sit in. I used to just be so bummed. Like thinking, like, this is it. Like, this is... How was the message? Oh, it's good. What did you like about it? Well, you know, it's good. You know, I kind of felt encouraged right here. I want a message every single time to be life-changing. You walk away knowing what you need to do because God has spoken directly to your heart. Now that has a lot to do, it's half with you and half with the speaker. If your heart's not right, you're in trouble. Bottom line, you'll stand before God because you're not listening. And that preacher will stand before God because he's not listening. And so, serve the Lord with gladness. I take this very seriously. And I take this just as serious as my is worship leading as well. And I think it's, it's so sweet that God has given me the ability to do both because I see both perspectives. And it, that's another thing that bums me out when a worship leader is not dead serious about doing his job as the person on the pulpit bringing the word is about his job. should be the same. They are leading the people to the word. He is teaching them the word. They are bringing them into the presence of God. That's a big deal. In the Old Testament, you try to walk into the presence of God, you're dead. You're not cleansed before the Lord. You better tie a bell around your ankle. Because you, when you walk into that tent, if that bell stops ringing, we know that you're dead. And we've got to drag you out by the, by the rope. It's true. That's what the priest did. But even more, when it gets down to serving the church, I just, I won't say what or who, but a certain department asked me to teach a devotion um, at the church this last week for their department. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'd love to. Man, what a blessing. Why? I can't believe you guys would ask me, you know, from the people in the church to come and teach a devo for your department. You better believe I would love to. It's all fired up, man. I'm like, yes, man. I get to sit down. I'm like hoping for a little time of discussion. really going to go at it. I get in there and start teaching. And I'm just fired up, you know, about the topic and just ready to teach it. And it's kind of awkward because we're sitting around this table and I'm just really loud and so I feel like I'm shouting at the people right in their face, you know. But I'm like just trying to talk and trying to relate. And all of a sudden I recognize somebody right here. I mean, not even from, from me to April right here. You know, April is here in the blonde hair. And 
Yes. <laughs> Beautiful blue sweater. Yes. Anyways, just from here to here, falling asleep. I got a guy over here on this side is looking off in the distance, like not even paying attention. I got the leaders of the department, the managers, the head guys of these departments just sitting next to me. And they're not saying anything. And I am literally about to lose it. Because just a few days before that, I had taught at two different high schools um, at their chapels. And the kid was falling asleep in the front row. And I looked at him and said, hey, there will be no fall. What's your name? And he said, Jesse. Jesse, dude, no falling asleep in here, dude. I ain't trying to clown you in front of your guys, but what are you doing falling asleep? We're talk- We're in the Word of God, man. Open your eyes. You know, he's all startled. <laughs> and then I was at another school here in Marina Valley. Another kid, man. I think he just saw it, just another chapel. And I'm going to fall asleep, and I see him. He's kicking back on his chair like this with his head back. Like this. And he's just sleeping. I think he's one of the football players. And I was walking down off the stage after I was doing an illustration. And I see him, and I was like, what? And I look, this guy's sleeping. I said, wake him up, you know? And they wake him up, the whole thing just stops. Everybody's like so embarrassed and like scared all of a sudden. I'm just like, what's going on here? There ain't going to be no sleeping in this place. Look, I ain't going to waste your time here. I'm here to teach the Word of God because I care about you guys, and I want you to receive something that I hope would bless you for the rest of your life. Don't miss it. And again, it's never to embarrass. It's never to call out in such a way where they are startled. I'll talk to them right there, just one-on-one. Like, hey man, seriously, I'm not trying to clown you in front of your friends. I want you to receive the word that God has for you right now. Don't miss it. No sleeping there. But as I was teaching there, at the place that I work, there in that department, oh, I could not believe my eyes. And I was about to light up that department in a second, but I just, I think the wisdom of the Lord came to me and said, this isn't the time nor the place, and you don't have the authority to do that. So you pipe down. I said, all right, Father, I won't, I'm not going to light them up. And I just stuck through it, and I just taught it, and I just walked away. My heart was so grieved. Because it says here, serve the Lord with gladness. And you know what? It, it is a privilege to work at a church. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you ever. He lets you be a part of what He is doing. And He'll replace you in a second. And any time, especially at the church... Because we are being paid to serve God and to serve the people. If it's not done in gladness, I am ticked. I am very angry. Because this is the Lord's house and we should be serving Him with gladness at all times. Not walking around, moaning and groaning. It's like, get out of here. We don't need you. There are a million people who would love to be in your shoes and get paid to work for God. Get out. That's one thing that I just noticed. Darren will tell you too, you know. Michelle will tell you too. We work there. It's 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 hard at times even with yourself. You've got to check your own heart, you know, because you get bummed and you get set down on something. It's just like, you know what? This is the Lord's house and I'm not going to be in this place. I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. And if somebody asks you to do something in a church, a pastor, or, or somebody, 
Don't you ever... Okay. God doesn't need you. Bye. God doesn't need you. You just miss your opportunity. And I'm telling you that I've seen time and time as I sit in whatever you want to call leadership, as I sit in, in a position and watch people and constantly beg the guy above me to give people opportunity to serve, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to give him an opportunity. And then he goes and gives them an opportunity and then they say something like, I don't think I'm really called there. Oh. Not called, you're not called there, huh? And then I'm just so bummed because they don't show up and they don't serve the Lord with gladness. You got to understand, even if you're not called to one place, God is looking for obedience and discipline and servanthood. I'm not really good at cleaning toilets. Wow. That's where you need to be. To see if you will serve the Lord with gladness in that position. God will not give you greater opportunities unless you can do the small ones. I learned that very quick. There's a book called Second that Chuck Smith's right-hand man, Romaine, wrote. He's dead now. Chuck Smith is the founder of Calvary Chapel, over thousands of churches all over the world. His right-hand man, his name is Romaine, wrote a book called Second. And it talks about being a servant. And on the front of it is a guy in a tuxedo. It's supposed to be like a pastor holding a plunger. Because every pastor should be able to clean a toilet very well. He needs to be able to work hard. Be very disciplined. Serving the Lord with gladness. It's the CEO, the millionaire, taking out the trash in his employee's office. It's the big dog doing the work that no one should ever have to do. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And we as Christians are called to what? Serve the Lord with gladness. And if you can't serve Him with gladness, then you better not be doing it at all. You better let somebody else do your job. I've told many of the brothers from Mexico, they're like, Josh, I'm really bummed in the position that I'm in. I really don't like doing it. Then get out because somebody else will do it better than you. And they are waiting for an opportunity. So if you're bummed about doing something in the church or serving God in some way, you need to get out of that position and give it to somebody else because they'll do it a hundred times better. Don't ever serve the Lord in sadness. Ever. You're wasting your time. And you're shaming the name of God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with what? Singing. Singing. I am singing. Yeah, that's a good movie. Singing. Mm. You know, a lot of guys may don't like to sing. That's a, that's a girl thing. You know what? The Lord says, come before my presence and singing. Bottom line. Okay, Lord. My voice is terrible, and the person next to me is going to hate it. I'm going for it. Come before His presence and singing. Something happens. I remember my grandpa. It, it was just something I used to love watching and seeing. My grandpa, his name's Robert Tagliferi. Rob, Bobby, R. Tagliferi, man. He is uh, he's the mobster guy, okay? He's just, he's not sure, he's like this, this high probably, he's, 
Yeah, he's really broad like this and uh, really stocky. And he's just that total Italian guy that's like, he has no neck. You know, it's just like, hey, yo, Joey. <laughs> and he's just like, he, he's just a big, he's got the fat gold chain here. And he's got, the hair is really slick on both sides here. And it's kind of like, just a, it's, it's kind of bald right here, but right here, just a little line right here. Yeah. That's my grandpa. And he's just like, I remember my grandpa, I always felt like he was the coolest guy everywhere at all times. Like, you know, he, you know, you know mobsters when you see him. You know, you know Italians when you see he is Italian, but you know just that uh, that mobster looking like he just he walks like he's on top of the world. You know, he walks like he can snap a finger and like everybody would just move and do whatever he wants. And it's true. I don't know. He talks like that too, but but at the same time, he's just a really humble, kickback guy. Like he did really, he just doesn't care about anything. It seems like he was in the mafia until he was like 30 years old. And he, uh, he actually left Ohio, and uh, that's where there's, there's a full city there in Ohio that was 100% Italian. They even had their own bank. Nobody's allowed to be at the bank except for them, Italians only. And, I mean, they did, they would have Italian parades, and like one time another group of people came in there, and they just, I mean, it's, it was, it's the real deal. It's still happening. I was talking to some guys uh, on my way to New York in the taxi, and they were telling me about a really nice restaurant, but they're like, you, but you can't get in there because the mob owns, owns it. So uh, only, you know, people in the mob, you got to know somebody to get in there, but it's supposed to be one of the best restaurants in, in New York City. And uh, so this stuff's still happening, but this is, this is the kind of guy my grandpa was. He moved to, uh, to uh, California to get away from all that, but he was the cook for, uh, he was a chef, really well-known Italian chef there in uh, Ohio. And he used to cook for the mob and for the top guys there. And he also used to be a guy that would go and collect money. But he wanted to get out. He wanted to get away from it. So he moved to California. And uh, I don't know. i got lots of stories to tell, but I can't tell them now. But that's the kind of guy my grandpa was. He's just the full thing, the real deal, right? But this is the thing. He has the most sensitive heart towards the Lord. And I remember him as a child when I would go to church with him. I would see him for some reason, when, not until he did, but when he sang tears would just come to his eyes and he would just start bawling before the Lord. Like, he would just... I don't know what it was, man. It's like a really tough, strong, cool, this powerful guy who you would think would never sing. And he really doesn't much at all or ever. But when he did, man, he was just the most powerful, powerful thing. And there's something about singing to the Lord, especially even when you're by yourself. Come before His presence with singing. Either you're singing to yourself or you're singing to God. Either you're singing to the radio or you're really singing to God. That's why I like to do a cappella. Because everybody hates to hear themselves, you know, to sing like a cappella, it sounds terrible. And so when you go in your room or you go on a walk with God and you open your mouth and you sing, something powerful happens. So I can't explain it, but I'm telling you that something happens, and that's why he commands us to come before his presence with singing. Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us. Not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Know that the Lord is God. Know it. I do know it. Let me see if I can explain this. There are certain times when I'm walking with the Lord by myself or sitting with the Lord by myself 
And all of a sudden it just comes to me that He is God. That He made me, that He made the stars, that He made the moon, and He made the sun rising, and that He wants to have a relationship with me. That He has created all of this and wants to have a relationship with me, this little speck out of nowhere. Be still and what? Know that I am God. I don't know how to exactly translate that and help you to understand that fully unless you've experienced it yourself. Being by yourself, be still. It's like, that's what I would do when I was in Mexico as well. I would read that verse and just meditate on it over and over. I would just be still and know that He is God. Just know. Just think about it. Just meditate on it. Know that He made us. It tells us exactly there. Know that He is God. What is that? That He has made us and that we have not made ourselves. That we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Just think about that for a while. That you are His sheep. He is your master. And a lot of times it's hard to think about that and hard to know that when you're inside. That's why I like to go outside and look up at the stars. Because it helps me to see how big God is. And then for me to understand that I'm His sheep, that I'm one of His, wow. It is a powerful thing to do. Specific instructions for us. Let's write that in as homework. Go ahead and write down next to your Bible or, or write down that there in your journal. Homework. Go home. Sit outside. Look up at the stars or look up at the sky and know that He is God. Just try that a couple times. Just look up and know that He is God. And watch what happens. I guarantee it will be a powerful time for you. Verse 4. Enter into His gates with thank. You know what? Before we go on. When you know that He is God... The issues in your life get very small. Because you start seeing how big and powerful and awesome that He is. That's why praising God is so important. Because when you praise God, you recognize who He is and what He can do. It happens to me all the time. I'll be so bummed. Like, oh gosh, i got to go take a walk with the Lord. I'm bummed out. And I go take a walk and I start talking to the Lord. And I start like almost answering. It's like, oh Lord, look at, Father, look what's happening here. What I don't know what to do about this. How do I work this out? And then I start, but Lord, you always work things out. I know, I know. Yeah, you created everything. Look, you even created this dirt in my hand. Of course, you can provide anything you need for me. Wow, you made these leaves. You made those stars. I mean, surely you can do whatever you want. You take care of me. You're my God. And I'm your guy. And you take care of me, bottom line. And I start, when I recognize who God is, the things in my life shrink and get small very quickly. I'm telling you, family, go and get away and know that He is God. Verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Another command. Give thanks unto the Lord and praise His name. Bless His name. You know, when we worship a lot of times, we think it's for us, right? It's like, oh, I can't wait for the time to worship. Why? Because, man, I just love the place that it takes me to. Wait a minute. No. When we go into a time of worship, we could be saying, man, I can't wait to bless God. I can't wait to shout, clap to Him and praise His name and lift Him up and glorify Him. You know? It's like when a guy writes a song for a girl. He's not like all stoked to play it for himself. Like, I can't wait, man, because I can't wait to see how I'm going to, when I play it, you know, when I play it, it's just going to, it's going to, man, it's going to be awesome. No, he wants her or she wants him to hear it. Want them to be blessed by it. 
minister to, encourage. You understand? When you praise God, that's that's this really changed. I mean, I remember the turning point when I was going to Sunday morning service. I remember when I got all burnt out on Sunday morning. I was just like, oh, I've been going for so long and I'm getting tired. It was all me. It was my fault. All of a sudden, it just clicked in my heart. The Lord changed my heart. I started recognizing that Sunday morning was a time not only for me to come and minister to God, but then Him to minister to me too during the time in the Word. And so the worship wasn't for me, it was for Him. And so every morning I would just be all fired up, like, man, ooh, I can't wait, like I'm going to get in there. And I'm just thinking, light it up, man, I'm going big. Like, I don't care who's in the, next to the pew, or next to me in the pew. Like, I'm going big. Like, they're, they better get ready because hands are going to be... I'm just going for it. Basically, it's like... I can't wait to bless my God in song and in worship with the family of God. I'm going for it. And that's what I would do. It just put a smile on my face to know that I was about to go and bless my king with all that was within me. A lot of times, we don't want to bless God because of our lifestyles. Because of the sin that's creeping in. And that's why you need to understand that you need to be continually seeking the God, seeking our God for forgiveness continually seeking Him for purity and holiness before Him. Always going back to your God, having a relationship with Him, so that what? It would all, it would all be a, how do I say it? The life that you live throughout the week would all reflect in your worship there on Sunday. It would be a time to just say, Man, Father, I love you. And I'm here to bless your name and bless your heart. I can't wait. You celebrate. You lift up His name. So when people ask you what you're going to do, I'm going to worship, man. I'm going to bless God for all that He's done for me this week. I can't wait. Because it says what? Enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving. And His courts with what? Praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is what? Good and his mercy is hum, everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Three things, and we're out of here. The Lord is what? Good. You know the Lord is good all the time? That there is never a time when God is not good. What about when someone dies in my family? God's still good. What about when He allows something bad to happen in my life? He is doing good. What about when things don't work out the way that you want them to? He's doing good. Yep. What about when you fall into sin and you mess up? He is still good. One of the core values that you need to hide in your heart, the understanding of our God, one of His attributes, is that He is good. You are what? evil, wicked. You're not good. People say, I'm a good person. You liar! You are not good. You just lied to me right now. See? You're not good. Because right before you got here, you were being selfish. I know, there with your family members and your friend. You're bummed out about this. You're upset about that. And you don't like the way they treated you. And you don't like this. And you don't like that. You're not good. Well, I help people. Well, that's good. But you're not good. Because that takes work for you. Right before you were about to do something good, you were wondering whether or not it was going to interfere with your life and what you were doing. And so you recognized that it wasn't, so you did something good for them. You're not good. 
God is good. Let me tell you why. One of the things that He never stops doing is what? He never stops forgiving you. Look at how difficult that is to say to the person maybe that you love. Say you're going to get married one day. And on the wedding day, you look them in the face and say, I will never stop forgiving you for the rest of my entire life. I will forgive you for everything that you do till the day that I die. What if I cheat on you? I will forgive you. Who loves like that? Only God loves like that. He's good. How many of us have cheated on God? never stops forgiving you, does he? Why? I don't get it. I would really love to see a generation that would make commitments like that. That you would, those of you who get married one day, maybe there's some that may, may not, but those of you who do be able to look someone in the face and say, I will never stop forgiving you. Ever. And then a generation would raise up and say, even if there comes a day when I say to you, and I feel inside like I don't like you, I don't love you, I'm never going to stop forgiving, I'm going to pursue to the end, I'm going to chase after, and do whatever it takes to make this thing work. Wow, isn't that what God does? What if God was like us, just, just the same as you on the other side? The relationship would have broke up a long time ago, huh? But God is not like you, He is good. And the only reason this relationship continues on is because He keeps forgiving and keeps loving. But I would love to see a generation, and I was even teaching the kids in the high schools, try to help them understand that we would be a generation that would say, I will never, I will never stop forgiving you for the rest of my life to their mate. If we could do that, we could flip the stats for this divorce in a second. And that now makes what? Marriage a very, very, very serious thing. I'm going to forgive you no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. That's a big deal. And that makes you think a million times about the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. There is no compromise on any levels. And that's the generation we need to be. And that's what God is calling us to And I hope, no, I don't hope, I will do that hopefully within my family. I just keep saying hopefully because I know I'm a wicked man, but I choose to say, and you guys can hold me accountable off this pulpit, I hope to be able to look into the person's eyes and say that with all of my heart. And no matter what, as Hosea did, he married that prostitute there in the Old Testament, Gomer. And she cheated on him, and she cheated on him, and she cheated on him, and guess what? He did not leave her. And that is a picture of our relationship with God. We need to be that generation. We need to know that God is good and needs to reflect in us. That is why He is good. Not only does He keep forgiving you, but He keeps blessing you. Even when you don't deserve to be blessed, He blesses. He works all things together for good. Jeez. 
He uses slackers like me. I used to say this off the pulpit all the time, like, what if we could take everybody's insides, what's going on on the inside, and turn our bodies inside out so you could see and look into everybody's life and see exactly what's going on in their lives? Oh, man. We'd just see a bunch of losers, wouldn't we? See, you all say for yourself, like, oh, don't say me, but I'm saying the same for me. I'm supposed to be Mr. Teacher Guy. You've got to understand that God is good. I recognize that He's good. That He continues to use me despite my, my failures. He is a good king. He is the greatest king ever. Anybody who rejects Him, you're bad. You are making the biggest mistake of your life. Because He has reached His hand out for you. And He has laid His life, life down for you so that you can get to heaven for free. I could go on for the next two hours about His goodness. Because it's amazing. But I'll move on. I think you get the point. His mercy is everlasting. We just spoke about that. Forever, endeavor, endeavor. Forgiven. And His truth endure to all generations. His truth endures to all generations. Did you hear that? What does that mean? Family, if we can wrap our minds around this, it will help us to walk at a higher level within our own lives. What do you mean, Josh? If you would simply understand that His truth is going to endure and last, what He says is truth, is right forever and ever and ever. That means His truth doesn't go, it doesn't change. It doesn't go up and down like the skeptic who's a relativist who says, hey, what's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is right for me. No. His truth doesn't change. It's not one day it's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's, I think it's right to uh, discipline my child. But then when all of your friends come down on you for disciplining your children, saying, what's wrong with you? You spank your kids? I can't believe you would even do such a thing. That's brutal, and that's mean. You just kind of, you know, put them in time out and do that kind of stuff, because... Hey, society's not doing that. Things are changing, don't you get it? So what, your truth changes. Now, as much as that sounds all fine and dandy, the Bible says specifically to use a rod of correction. That's what it says. God's truth is a standard. And when there is a standard and when there is a truth, He says this truth will endure forever and it will always be right and it will always be perfect. What I'm trying to help you to understand is even though society changes and tries to tell us that this is right now and this is better and this is a a good way to do things, God is saying this is the truth and it will endure forever and this is the right thing. What I'm trying to help us wrap our minds around is if we can understand that God's truth is perfect forever and ever, that if we grab onto this truth, if we do this, we will be right and we will be blessed and we will have truth forever. Honestly, it's a profound statement. It's like, what if I told you that everything that I said was going to be right forever and ever and ever? Wow, you'd be taking a lot of notes, huh? Everything that I say is absolutely 100% perfect and right, always. You'd be like, we've got to record every single one. I'm going to listen to them a hundred times over because I know everything is perfect. You would see the wisdom just pouring and pouring and pouring from my mouth. 
And you would take it and you would hide it in your heart. You would understand it. What I'm telling you is God has already done that for us. His word is perfect and true to all generations forever and ever and ever. And if you would simply hide it within yourself and take heed to it, you're going to do right. You're going to see right. You're going to understand right for the rest of your lives. It's so amazing even to me when I sit down with an older man who's very educated and I start just explaining the things of the Bible and they look at me and say, well, you're so smart, profound, and have such wisdom. No, I don't. I'm 26, man. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. All I did was study somebody else's book. I'm not smart enough to give you truth. I just tell you what the truth is. And you've got to understand, family, that you can have it even within your own life now. That this truth will last forever and ever. And even though people in your workplace try to say it's different and it's not that and it's not right, okay, you go and do what you think is truth and I will do what I think is truth and then we will compare at the end of the day. And we will see who is right in the end. That's what you want to do. The Bible will always win. And God's way will always, always, always win. The Christian will always be blessed and taken care of, and be content, and the world will never be, because they do not have the truth. Aren't you so thankful that we have God, family? Where would you be? I know where I'd be. Tuesday night. I remember, man, me and my buddy would just work all day, and then go and we'd work out at the gym for hours, just so that we could, we were waiting for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, every night at the club. That's what we were waiting for. And, um, man, what a lame life. You know, I saw a buddy in the gym today. I saw him. His name's Calvin. And he didn't notice me. But he started walking with the Lord for a little bit, and then he just walked away. But he is, he's a really good-looking guy, and he just really clings to the ladies, and he just gets pulled in. I just looked at his face. I just, I had my hat on so he couldn't see me. And I looked up, and I just had a glance at him, just as he was walking by. And all I saw was just sorrow and bombed and just grief. I don't know what it was, but I just looked into him, and I could just see he was just bombed about something. He just looked very tired. He's only like 22, 23 probably. And I'm just so thankful. Look, I just got back from New York helping people get their lives changed to Jesus Christ. Praise Father, man. Thank you for letting me be different, Father. Gosh, you know, that could have been me. There's me walking all bummed out about the weekend. You gotta be. You gotta understand that you're in the truth and recognize it and be stoked about it, man. Walking it daily. Give thanks unto the Lord, all the earth. Sing unto Him. Serve Him with gladness. Bless Him. Amen. I love you guys. And I genuinely, sincerely want the best for you. I'm honest. I can truly say that from the bottom of my heart. For each one of you, I want the best. So I tell you the truth. I'm not going to make you feel happy and warm every week. I'm just going to tell you what, whatever the text says. And hopefully you receive it. And so, Father, ah, you're such a great God. Man, you're great. You're awesome. 
I mean, Lord, why these here? Why at such a young age do I get understanding? Thank you, Lord, for drawing me. And Lord, I'm so stoked that I didn't make a decision at a young age to seek your face. And I'm so happy that, Lord, I don't have to be a smart guy to know wisdom. It's there in your word. You give it freely as much as we want. There's like a giant mountain of gold and you just say as much as you want, you can have it. You can be as rich as you want. And I'm so thankful that it's free. And Lord, I will indulge in your wisdom and in your truth daily. And I will praise you for it. And I will lift up your name and exalt you in the public place. You are my king and I am your servant. Father, I'm so thankful for your people that have come tonight. And I just ask that you would work these things in them. Please, Lord, tattoo them on their hearts. Help them to praise you. Help them to give thanks. Help them to get out of this rut, Lord, of just being down all the time. It's lame. It's not the Christian life, Father. Give them joy, a joyful noise to sing to you. But Lord, help them to stir it within themselves, to wage war against themselves, battle to fight against the flesh. Empower them now, please, Lord. Let your Spirit come upon them and let each one in this room have the strength to overcome the world, to overcome themselves. And please bless them, Father. Bless them in their work. Bless them, Lord, and their families. Give them favor everywhere that they go because they keep your statues, because they keep your commands. We thank you that you are good and your mercies endure forever. And your truth is to all generations. You never stop telling the truth. Your word is truth. And we choose to take you to it tonight as we go. Be blessed, Father. Be glorified in us. Work in us this week. Anything you need, let us know. We're here for you, King. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. To keep His commands, you're going to be blessed. If you don't, you're going to be a loser, bottom line. It's that easy. Walk in His ways, walk in His statutes, and you'll be blessed. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Amen.